In the being mode, private having, private property, has little affective importance because I do not need to own something in order to enjoy it, or even in order to use it. In the being mode, more than one person, in fact millions of people, can share in the enjoyment of the same object, since none need or want to have it as a condition of enjoying it. This not only avoids strife, it creates one of the deepest forms of human happiness, shared enjoyment. Nothing unites people more, without restricting their individuality, than sharing their admiration and love for a person, sharing an idea, a piece of music, a painting, a symbol, sharing in a ritual, and sharing sorrow. The experience of sharing makes and keeps the relation between two individuals alive. It is the basis of all great religious, political, and philosophical movements. Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And welcome, everybody. We're so glad to have you for episode 10. Yay. <laughs> We're in the double digits. Sonia is joining us from the road. Where are you, Sonia? I am in Venice Beach, California. Cool. And I know this is audio, but Lacey can see me. I'm outside because it's a sunny, beautiful day. And obviously, I'm three hours behind you. Right. Um, from Atlanta. So, yeah. We're, we're recording uh, at 621 on a Saturday, the 17th yeah. of October. And it's so it's three o'clock there. Yeah, um, exactly. And you've been all over the road. I joked on the bonus episode that you were not ever coming back. Like I. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, 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 no. I'm yeah. still around. I just have been doing a trip and uh, been to different cities. So it's a lot of fun. Cool. Well, yeah. we're going to hear more about that in a second. I want to give everybody a rundown of what the show is going to be like today. Um, today, we're going to talk a little bit uh, to Sonia, of course, about her trip. I'm going to share a little bit about my voting experience. I voted early this week. If you haven't, vote. Yes. Yay. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then we're going to talk more about, um, we're going to pull more from Eric Fromm's To Have or To Be from Chapter 6, which is further aspects of having and being. Um, the sections that we picked, Sonia picked the section, which is... Uh, don't have Fear of dying, affirmation of, of living. Thank yeah. you. Sorry, I didn't have that in front of me. And then I'm, I've picked the section of solidarity and, and antagonism. So um, juxtapositioning those uh, against each other. So that's kind of what we're into and what we're talking about today. And at the end, we have a cool quote from Eric Fromm about democracy and voting that kind of ties it all together. So we're super excited about that. Before we ask Sonia and learn more about her trip, what I want to do is take a second to thank the folks who have bought us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com slash Victor Ho slash Lacey Delane slash Sonia Larea. Um, I have gotten a coffee from um, Rick Ferris, and I super appreciate that. Thank you, Rick. Uh, Sonia, what about you? Well, yes, how- thank you, yeah. Rick. That was so sweet to remember yes. us. Appreciate yes, it. thank you. Um, and Victor also got a coffee. I think Victor has gotten multiple coffees. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, you and I, I think, have only gotten one. He's gotten multiple. That's great. We'd rather him get more than us because he's so important and he's sacrificed so much. And as we mentioned in the bonus episode, he's a big part of the reason why we're doing this episode or th- this podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, take a listen. It's a cool story. Um but uh, but definitely, if you enjoy the podcast, you want to show that appreciation, we're more than happy to uh, receive uh, a coffee from you all, and you will help fuel the podcast in the future, um, as Tony and I tend to have coffee and talk about what we're going to say in the podcast. So Sure, sure. Yeah. Hey, Lacey, I wanted to comment on the bonus, yes. um, because I wasn't part of it, but I was part of it because I listened to it, and it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to say to the viewers that also put in my two cents that Victor is 
rocks. He is great. We couldn't do this without him. Yep. He's super talented. Yeah. Kudos to Victor. Um, and I also wanted to say how it's interesting how life is, how the podcast uh, occurred, because Lacey and I were meeting one day having, I think, a drink uh, at the park. I remember it was at the park. And you said, yep. what do you think about doing a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, that would be really cool. We started talking about it. Mm -hmm. Not even imagining that we would get to this point because then you went to work um, on Andrew Yang's campaign, but it yep. all sort of evolved. And then hearing Victor's side of the story, how he um, saw the potential in you and what you were thinking. It was really cool. It was a cool story to listen to. So I just wanted to let everyone know that. Cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. pro Victor. <laughs> I am too. And Hey, I, I think that's cool. Yeah. We were at park tavern in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a, it's a restaurant that overlooks uh, Piedmont park and skyline view. And we're just talking about all kinds of things. And I, I guess at that moment, I just thought, man, I just love our conversations. And I think people might enjoy hearing them too, you know, not just mm -hmm. that that was where that came from, but who knew? I think it was kind of a joke. Like I was joking, like <laughs> we start a podcast, you know, and here we are. So yeah. Yeah. Thank cool. you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being here and being a part of it. It means so much to me that I get to do this with someone as awesome as you. So thank you for everything Thanks. you've done and I your sacrifice it. on the road and, uh, it's just enjoyable to have these conversations with someone who is as wonderful as you are and who can go there with me. Yeah. So sweet. So sweet. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us about your trip. Um, let's see. So I've hit about six cities, I think so far I came from, uh, I think I've, maybe I told you on the last podcast, where was, I, I think I was in Little Rock. I've been to Oklahoma city. Um, I went to Flagstaff, saw the Grand Canyon, which is gorgeous. I posted a picture, by the way, on our Instagram guys of it. Yeah. I've been hitting bookstores. Mm -hmm. I was at a real, I'm in LA now. I was at a really cool bookstore today called The Last Bookstore. Um, oh. I'm just a fan, obviously, of reading like Lacey. And yeah, when we get together, we talk about our books too. <laughs> yeah, that's about, yep. So it's just been, it's been cool. And I'll be heading back this next week, but just trying to see parts of the country. Trying cool. to do the being mode. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's where it's at, baby. The being mode. Absolutely. That's great. Well, we're so glad that you're staying safe and um, having a great time. And also, I'm, I'm really glad that you were like, not, oh, I'm done with this, ep this podcast stuff. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to keep doing it. And we're just been coordinating with our time zones, but we're doing it. Yes. Well, thank you for that and all your sacrifices. Uh, I wanted to share a little bit about my experience voting this week. We've talked a little bit about, hey, it's an important time in in our country and our nation's history at this point with the 2020 election. Obviously, I have been invested in this election for a couple of years now because I really realized with the onset of um, a relationship that I had uh, with an H-1B uh, visa holder who ended up having to leave because of some law changes under the Trump administration. Um, and that was an unexpected leave. Um, I realized like if we, if we don't, if I don't do anything, if we don't do anything, nothing's really going to change. So I've been invested in this for a minute. And of course, later on, shortly after that, I got involved in Andrew Yang's campaign as a volunteer and then on the, on the staff and traveling with him. So um, yeah, this is a big deal. It is an important time in our country. And as much as I would have loved to vote for Andrew Yang um, earlier this week here in Atlanta, uh, I did not have the opportunity to do that, but I did have the opportunity to vote for Joe Biden. Um, I wanted to get in early and make sure that um, my vote was heard, uh, vote was cast. I like the idea of voting early because I think it's less likely to, you know, cause somebody to have to stand in line for a long time, which has been a real issue here in Fulton County. We've talked about it on the podcast, um, but the experience was amazing. Sonia, I have to show everybody. Yeah, show me. Look at this. This is my big old water bottle. Wow. Look Isn't at that, that cool? It's a, yes. it's peach for Georgia and it's uh -huh. a basketball because we did it at State Farm Arena, which is where the Atlanta Hawks play. And I was like, everybody was so nice. It was like, you know, they were helpful and talking to plenty of staff and we got to vote on what would be the basketball court. It wasn't like we walked on the actual court. It was covered. Right. But it was just neat to be in the arena and for it to go so quickly and so easily. I didn't wait at all. So I'm like, 
kudos to State Farm Arena and all the people that are doing that. Thank, Thank you. you for voting, Lacey. Yes. Yay! <laughs> so, yes, we will see what happens uh, here in the next, really, month or so. Sonia, do you think we're going to know? How quickly do you think we're going to know who, who wins this election? Um, depending on if it's a blowout or not. We may know that night. Uh, if it's close, then I think it takes longer with counting the votes. But but mm -hmm. we may know, depending on the states that go blue, um, mm -hmm. we may know that night. So, yeah. And I'm hoping that's the case. So that would be move amazing. forward in our lives and in the country. <laughs> yes, I think the economy might uh, open up a little bit more after this election as well. Probably regardless of who wins, but I would imagine me even more so if Biden wins. Um, mm -hmm. I'm hopeful for that because we all need the respite of that uh, after all of the year that we've had with coronavirus and um, the economy. Right. Being yeah, I will say everywhere I've traveled, people are wearing masks. They're enforcing that, which is super important because we've got this resurgence now with the fall and winter coming. Yes. And it's just following all the protocols, you know, the washing your hands, the distance and the masks. Yep. It's, it's just a simple thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really here, Sonia, the weather is really starting to break and head towards coolness and fall. And so mm -hmm. I'm starting to think, OK, now we're going to really know a lot. And I'm, I'm starting to take more precaution. Not that I was taking really crazy risks before, but I'm like, mm, maybe I won't, you know, maybe I won't even walk into a restaurant to go to the bathroom, even though I'm wearing a mask. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like maybe I'm going to be a little bit more extra careful. We'll uh, see yeah. how, how that goes. Yeah. I think just people need to use their common sense. I will tell you in California, I'm not even a resident. I went and did a COVID test. A drive, I forgot to tell you this. A drive-through oh, no. test. It was so efficient. Boom, huh. did it 24 hours later, got the results. It's negative. So yeah. they need that everywhere. I, I suppose I think they have it in Georgia. I don't know what the story is there. If it costs you. 24 hours? You got it yeah. in and your email. I just came through my email. It was super that easy. Very efficient. I did a, a, a government one, a Fulton County one. And it okay. took several days to get the information back. Now that was earlier in the summer. So it may be different now yeah. in all fairness, but wow, that's fabulous in, in California. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, we will talk a little bit more about voting. And like I said, um, a quote from Eric Fromm about democracy at the end of the podcast uh, today. But what we're going to shift to now is like I said earlier, chapter six of Eric Fromm's To Have or To Be, it's the chapter on further aspects of having and being. There are several sections in this chapter, two of which we went over in the previous episode, and two more we will discuss today because there are just so many of them and they're so meaty and they're so wonderful. So, um, Sonia, what section um, did you want to kind of kind of dive into today? Um, the section that I really enjoyed, I mean, they're all great as usual, but is the fear of dying, the affirmation of living. Mm -hmm. um, so in this, in this section, Frome talks about not experiencing life as a possession, mm. which is something he quotes that the Buddha talks about, Jesus, the Stoics, and Master Eckhart. Mm. So we see that this is something throughout the ages. This is a... Um, something that all of these wise, you know, masters relate to. And mm. the way he describes, from describes this, it's a fear of losing life itself. Mm. Um, and I think I, I could relate to this because, you know, we, in this whole chapter of having and being, we're talking about possessions. And what we do is we cling to things, not only material things, but um, titles, uh, oh. status, mm. all of that. And so I think when you consider that being stripped away, there is a death there too. When you don't, when you, when you don't have those things, then the mm. question is, who are you? And one of the, um, mm. the great, uh, quotes in here is the fear of facing the abyss of non-identity, oh. which yeah, Lacey and I talked about, uh, earlier. And I think that is very, um, sobering if you think, wow, who am I if I don't have my identity of mm. who I am? And all the things that we surround mm. ourselves with are the trappings of defining who we are. Mm -hmm. So there is that loss of, um, 
of knowing, you know, the, I think that that's where he's equating. There's death of the real death that we consider we're not living anymore, but then there's many deaths that we go through. When mm -hmm. we change in our yeah. life, when we leave a relationship, yeah. when we grow. So this mm -hmm. is a constant um, sort of cycle that we're in. Yes. And he talks about if you're in the being mode, if you're not grasping onto things, I think we talked about it last time too, if you're not holding on to these things, then mm -hmm. you can be in that being mode. But we're typically wanting to have as opposed to be right does that make sense to you yeah absolutely i love what you're saying about it being kind of cyclical and i think you know whether or not we intend for that to be the case in our lives it certainly happens i think um personally i intend for that to be the case because i think the more change happens the more growth happens and so but regardless of of whether that's like a goal that you have in life that's going to happen because unexpected, uncontrollable things are going to happen to you. People get divorced when they never thought they would. People lose a child and they didn't think they would. And so these kinds of things happen and they are a death. They are a loss, but then they cause what you're saying, like the rebirth and mm -hmm. the fear he discusses in here, the fear of not of, of letting go of that definition of the self Mm -hmm. very difficult for people. And it's a result of the having mode. Why? Because our identity is in the thing that we have. I'm a mother. I have a kid. That's my identity. Oh, now my child died. And I'm, you know, that's a terribly sad situation, but it's, it's, you know, just an example that changes everything. And so to the extent that you're living in that mode, the having mode, um, right. around your title or what have you, um, your identity, that's the extent of the pain that you feel in, in a situation like that. Right. Um, and going back to the child thing, I would say even when people, uh, children grow up, then mm -hmm. the parent is like, well, I'm not the parent anymore. I'm still a parent, but they're not in that role of taking care of the child. So there's mm -hmm. a change, a shift there. There's, um, you know, they call it that empty nest syndrome, I think, when people are alone. And they've yeah. used to, you know, being with their child. The other thing that um, Trump talks about is this desire for immortality. Now, I really relate to that in our culture because we have this idea of the beautification of the body. We, we worship youth. We worship, you know, not looking our age. And there's a lot. And that yeah. is a having mode because we want to have that. You know, we want to hold on to that immortality. And mm -hmm. I thought this was an interesting statement because uh, you and I have talked a lot, Lacey, about health and taking care of oneself. And even, you know, it, you have to invest time and even it costs mm -hmm. money if you're going to go work out or you're going to do things for yourself, you're going to get therapy. But what yeah. I think is interesting is when we, and I think that's a, a good approach to say, I need to have the self-care. But when there's this desire for immortality that we're not accepting that through life, you know, it's going to change and we will age and we will grow and time will pass. We will not yeah. continue to live someday. But I wow. think we hold on to this. I don't want to deal with that reality, which is dealing with death, that every single person is going to deal with, whether we don't know when that's going to happen. But when that reality, when you accept that reality, I believe you can be more in the being mode. You're yeah. not chasing this um, immortality that no one is going to achieve. Yeah. I think also it's a, a little bit of a dichotomy, a little bit of a both and um, situation. You know, in this chapter, he quotes Spinoza, who I really like, mm -hmm. saying, uh, or in this section, he says, as Spinoza says, the wise think about life, not about death. And I, I was like, at first I was like, mm, I don't know if I agree with that. And I think I do agree with it. But at the same time, I agree with the fact that if we are aware of the mm -hmm. fact that we have a limited lifespan, that we, death is imminent and it will come, that causes us to live in a very different way and in a way that we appreciate things um, much more. 
Uh, correct. I, I think the other part, and you and I have talked about this because we're both kind of minimalists, and I don't want to criticize people that want their stuff, but okay, here I'm going to go, mm-hmm. is when you are trying to achieve this you know, acquisition of things, are you really living or is it in your mind constantly in that place of I've got to go, you know, get the part for my boat or get, buy another car or do another. Tri- I, I just think there's that you get caught up in the acquisition instead mm-hmm. of, you know, you need to rid yourself of that mentality because that's your ego. And in, instead of allowing yourself to be, you're not present in, um, to me, it's, it's challenging to be present yeah. when you're, attempting to hold on to these possessions. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a little bit distracting from really just being able to be present in the moment, you know, like I got to go buy this. I got to go get this. I need to have that Mm -hmm. busyness. That's just right. And then there's, and then there's that fear of losing what you have. You know, you've heard those stories that people, it's interesting. I'm not saying, I wish this on anyone, but they are in a very um, bad situation. It could be like a hurricane. It could be financial trouble. And they lose everything, everything, meaning possession. But then at those moments, they have clarity of what's important, Mm. their relationships or their health or the fact they can get up the next day and be outside in the beautiful sunshine. And I think when we're just in that structure of this, like I said, having we miss really what's in front of us. Mm, Agreed. So then to contrast, Mm -hmm. the being mode encourages, instead of the fear of dying, the affirmation of living. And so what what does that mean to you after reading this section, the affirmation of living? The affirmation of living would be being present being, being more physically present, emotionally present. Um, Mm. and I also think that it's not just in joyous times. It could be in sad times in whatever time you're in that way you are truly being, it's not just about, Ooh, I'm going to be happy today. That's it. Because that's not reality, right? We're going to have to go through our ups and downs, but I think that affirms that you are living. Yes. I, I've, I've, I've read from saying this somewhere. I, I don't know if it was reading it or listening to some YouTube content of him, which there is some out there. If you guys are interested, you can find it. But he said something along the lines of like, the evidence that you're living is not in the fact that you're happy all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're responding to the experiences that happened to you in your life, that you're not this lifeless automaton citizen, which is what he calls them in whatever context. I can't remember which writing it was, but that you respond, whether that's sadness or anger or grief, Mm -hmm. because a dead person doesn't respond. No, but someone who's alive will respond. And yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Another thing that came to mind when you're saying that for me personally, affirmation of living is also connecting with other human beings. Yes. And I think when we pull away from the having, we have more time and we're more present and more energy to have that connection with others that we so desperately want and need. Yes, that is the number one need I think we have as a society, as human beings living this day and age. And I sometimes wonder if if we do even understand that that's really the, the, the drive, the motive in all of us that's needed, that's lacking, and that's, you know, even causing dysfunctional behavior in all of mm-hmm. us. I would say to you that generally speaking, no. I mean, I think some people are more aware and I need you and I've had many conversations, but generally speaking, I don't think people realize that because we're socialized to think, Hey, you need this product. You need this thing. You need this title. And we're chasing all that instead of what we really need, which I'm sure we'll talk about eventually is love. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Bottom line. That's what we all need. Yes. Cool. Well, that's a, that was good. That's a good section. 
Um, so I'm going to lead us discussing the section on solidarity and antagonism. Awesome. I, yes. I like this section um, really because it's bringing a contrast between, you know, um, togetherness and, and sharing and comp competition. Mm -hmm. um, so the first part of this section, he talks about, um, how the experience of loving and liking and enjoying something without wanting to have it um, is not necessarily very common in our culture. And um, of course, in the being mode of existence, we can enjoy something without having it. And in the having mode, one thinks that one has to have the thing in order to enjoy it. And he refers to the poems that we read in chapter one, which was episode three. Yeah. If you haven't heard episode three. Uh, I just listened to it again a little while ago and I loved hearing the poems, like hearing it afresh was like, wow, that's so cool. So check out the poems because they just express it so well. Um, but he refers to that and he says, you know, that it's super not easy for us as modern Western people to experience enjoyment separate from having. And it reminded me of how, like, I remember when I was a kid and we would go shopping and my mom would say, we're just going to go window shopping. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what's the point of window shopping? <laughs> Cause do you know what that means? Yes, I do. Yeah. It means okay. you can't buy anything. <laughs> right. Right. We're just going to look basically. And so, yeah. and I've seen that too in my work with kids as a nanny of like, it's like the kids have a really hard time enjoying something or think feeling joy out of the experience of doing whatever we're doing in a store if they don't bring the thing or a thing right with them out of the store, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty common for us as human beings. Again, it goes back to the possession. We see something, we think, oh, this brings me joy. You're visually seeing it, or you're somehow engaging with it. And you think if you have that you're going to have that joy all the time. Right. Mm. And we all know that that doesn't occur. Mm. So I think it's, it's pretty much ingrained in us that, but you can't, as you talked about, I think on our previous podcast, you can't take the sunset with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can enjoy it. You can enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. And so he also talks about um, that. He says the most relevant example of enjoyment for enjoyment um, without the craving to have one, what one enjoys is in inter interpersonal relations. And so, um, for example, a dating relationship um, between a man and a woman or um, a man and a man or a woman and a woman in which they feel like, you know, they need to own each other mm -hmm. to enjoy being together, to be mm -hmm. committed, to enjoy the relationship. And I think that is such a great, 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 great example because our society really is built a lot around the idea that you have accomplished in life, you are successful, you are accepted in our society when you find someone who you own and they own you, basically is what that boils down right, to. Right, right. Married or, you know, being in a long-term relationship. Sure, because we're, we've been socialized um, about that. I think he, and I'm sure you're going to get into it, but he talks about greed and so I think that's a really, I never thought of that, but he, he talks about the greed of the womanizer or the greed of the man chaser. The greedy can never have enough, can never be satisfied. That's really mm -hmm. interesting because it's like a mental greed, right? That you yeah. think if you have that, it's, you're going to overcome your feelings of emptiness or loneliness or depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He says that all greed is mental. Um, actually, even if it's satisfied through the body, what I love about the greed that he talks about is that that mental greed doesn't have a satiation point, sorry mm -hmm. to say. Um, because it just doesn't the bringing it in doesn't satisfy the body, you know, it doesn't right. feel the emptiness, the boredom, the loneliness, the depression that it's meant to overcome. Um, so interesting to know that, you know, natural longings, like needing to eat, you know, there's a satiation point for that mm -hmm. physical, you know, um, need. And so there's a little, there's a clear difference between those two things there um, as a result of just, excuse me, the nature of 
of what's going on. But before sure. we go too far in that, I want to go back to this relationships sure. idea because I know we've talked a little bit about um, marriage and I've told you previously that I don't aspire to get married. Um, and I'm not saying that I wouldn't. I'm just saying that it's just not a goal that I have. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason is because I just don't think that it's necessary. And I also feel like it is about having a person. It is about owning a person. And Frome talks about in here that when we, when each partner seeks to own the other, they like cling to each other for survival mm -hmm. and it causes a lot of jealousy and it makes the relationship really heavy, heavy and burdened. There's tons of conflicts and jealousies. And so for me, um, if I also look at the history of marriage, it's really that a woman is a property passed along from the sure. man to the next, from the father to the next man. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, I'm not a piece of property yeah. and I'm happy with enjoying a person where they are, when we're together as a relationship, a committed relationship and letting it last as long as it lasts. And then when it's over, it's over and not trying to force something. And so there's just a lot of values in the whole idea of a marriage that go into that having mode that I'm just, I'm not really with, I'm not for that. Right. Well, like I think you and I discussed this, but you know, our social or socialized, I think as women, even as men to get married, right. Or to have this other person. And even in these modern times, you still see that the other point I would bring up uh, that from talks about, and I know you've discussed this a lot. I think it's very difficult uh, for people a lot of times in relationships because they're bringing with them whatever issues they have. And there's where the mental health comes in. Yeah. I think it's important to be self-aware, self-actualized, because therefore you can potentially be in a healthier relationship. Because what happens is, which it's the whole like Freud, Jung, the whole, all of the psychology that we learn is you're going into these relationships and you're trying to seek out what you didn't have as a child. So right there, it's going to be doomed. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, I you know what I'm saying? It's going to be yeah. challenging. Yeah. And yeah. If you're not aware of the things in you that you're, you tend to do the pattern behaviors that you have right. uh, as a child. Yeah. It's going to be a very difficult situation to have a healthy relationship. hundred percent. Um, and I mean, I definitely think that's happens and it's possible the, mm -hmm. the relationship, but I definitely think that there's quite a few people who don't make that effort, who don't understand that and how important that is to actually having a healthy relationship. Sure. Because, um, he writes here to each partner seeks the other, like a shipwrecked sailor seeks a plank for survival. Yes. And that really, uh, speaks to me because I would say, especially coming from whatever circumstance you're coming from that it looks like, wow, I gotta, I gotta hang on to this. Right. Yeah. For my survival. And especially you're bringing, you know, your past. Yeah. And I mean, I think as, as a single person, I would say that there is a way that single people could be content enjoying someone, but not quote unquote, having them like dating them. Sure, like, sure. You, okay. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's a fallacy, I believe, that you can't enjoy someone of the opposite sex unless you're dating them. And when I say enjoy, I'm talking about them as a person. Sure. And the reality of the situation is, is like, okay, so somebody doesn't want to date you or you don't want to date them. That doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. That doesn't mean you still can't enjoy them. You can still enjoy them. Uh, or you can enjoy them, um, you know, enjoy folks who are, you know, obviously not dating. Um, but without having some kind of a hold uh, on each other that like you're like telling them what they have to do and where they have to be and what they can or can't do as a very controlling type of a situation. Right. I think it's letting go of the ego and allowing um, the relationship to be to basically exist and not having this, again, we're using the having mode is not trying to hold on to something is really letting it be organic and develop. Mm -hmm. And that's a sign of, of being healthy too. being mature. A hundred percent. Yes. And healthy is probably a better word than mature. So the next section that I, the, the next part of this chapter really talks about 
the role of antagonism in mm-hmm. the having mode of existence. And, or it might be better said, the role um, that the having mode of existence plays in creating antagonism. And so I'm gonna read a little bit from here and then um, I'm gonna talk about how the having mode creates um, antagonism between people, between nations and and causes war and then causes antagonism between classes. Um, And then of course, you know, what that brings about. So I'm going to read just a little bit. He says, speaking more generally, the fundamental elements in the relation between individuals and the having mode of existence are competition, antagonism, and fear. The antagonistic element in the having relationship stems from its nature. If having is the basis of my sense of identity, because I am what I have, the wish to have must lead to the desire to have much, to have more, to have the most. Yeah. In other words, greed. Yep. Greed is the natural outcome of the having orientation. Sonia, before we go any further into that, do you recall what any of the masters of thinking, as Fromm would call them, have said about greed? Jesus, um, Master Eckhart, any of these folks? I mean, I would say off the top, like, okay, Buddha, I know the story of Buddha and of Jesus. Buddha was came from a really wealthy family. He gave up all of his everything, mm-hmm. all of his belongings, to actually walk the path of having nothing yeah. to actually experience life. So mm-hmm. um, he felt for sure that greed was not uh, something to aspire to. And, and we also know, I'm sure most people, have, at least from the Western culture, know that Jesus also had the same principle of basically everything you have is should be given to those that have less than you. So none of them... Uh, Hmm. espoused the idea of greed none of the exactly that sounds a lot like a you know a uh, egalitarian Mm -hmm. situation you know sharing that you know jesus said i i believe um that greed is the root the love of money greed Mm -hmm. is the root of all evil so that's let let them inherit the earth Mm -hmm. which are people who typically you know have less and and so the problem with this is that the greed continues and, and the greedy can never be enough. It can never be satisfied. And, uh, you know, whereas we said earlier, like the physiological needs, um, that stuff has a satiation point. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about, you know, uh, the having mode and things. There is no satiation point, even to the point of like, you know, unlimited, there's unlimited desires to be filled. So even if you like, you can't ever really get everything that you want. And so as a result of that, the competition and antagonism has to be there. It's present. So I'm antagonistic towards you because you might be able to get more than me. You might have a better opportunity than me. You know, I might have, I'm competing with you instead of sharing with you. And that is the nature. That is the fundamental element of what comes out of like a society Mm -hmm. from that having mode of existence. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to talk about uh, the Nate about also war, right? The way that that translates to nations, right? Exactly. So it goes beyond just the interpersonal antagonism, which, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to live in a society where we're always antagonistic towards each other. It's much happier. Mm -hmm individually to relate to each other on a positive, you know, abundance mindset level, but take it further, he says, and let's put it on a national level. What happens is that just gets magnified onto a more national um, societal level. And so then it becomes nations Mm -hmm. against each other about for resources for whatever to be the best. And that ends up in war. That's what that's about. Right. And, and he says peace as a state of uh, lasting harmonious relations between nations is only possible when the having structure is replaced mm-hmm. by the being structure. Yeah. Yeah. And the next part right there, he says the idea that one can build peace while encouraging the striving for possession and profit is an illusion and a mm-hmm. dangerous one because it deprives people of recognizing that they are confronted with a clear alternative. Yep. 
either a radical change of character or perpetuity. Perpetuity. (laughs) I know it's hard. Perpetuity of war. So yeah, I mean. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because he does say leaders choose war. And, you know, we have obviously history to show us that Mm -hmm. and how we, you know, we'll keep, you know how they say history repeats itself. You keep repeating these patterns until you're choosing a being structure as opposed to the having structure. Mm -hmm. And then you take that to the next level or maybe um, a level that goes inside of each nation and potentially between nations, which is an antagonism between classes. And so there's this looking down on, you know, those who don't have as much as you and this even a glorification and a worship of those who have more or have a lot. I mean, you yes. Know. And I think that's what, um, I mean, we're struggling with today because one of the things he talks about is as long as greed dominates the human heart, you're going to have this class struggle because you're going to have the oppressed trying to overthrow their rulers. But as long as we have the ones that want to oppress the others that, that have more, you're yeah. going to constantly have this um, issue within society. Right. And it's a, a deal where as long as there's a society built on greed, there's going to be class war, period. Sure. Mm-hmm. No. So the changes are necessary on the social character in the in the idea, the ind- individual social character, but also, you know, on the societal level and what the values are of the society. Um, so. So he contrasts or contrasts that um, about the being mode. And I'm going to read just a little bit here of what he says. In the being mode, private having or private property has little effective importance because I don't need to own something in order to enjoy it um, or even in order to use it. In the being mode, more than one person, in fact, millions of people can share in the enjoyment of the same object. Since none need or want to have it as a condition of enjoying it. Yes. Yes. You want to say anything here? No, I keep going because I was going to say something, but I think you're going there. (laughs) This not only avoids strife, it creates one of the deepest forms of human happiness, shared enjoyment. This is what we all really want, man. I was just thinking when you asked me earlier, right, about what affirmation, remember, of living. And yeah. then I just wanted to say, you're probably going to read it, but nothing unites people more than sharing their admiration and love for a person, sharing an idea, a piece of music, a painting, a symbol, sharing in a ritual and sharing sorrow. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's too. just so powerful. Yes. The next minute too, the experience of sharing makes and keeps the relation between two individuals alive. I, tw- I, I put that out on our, our Instagram this a little while ago, but Dude, you're so right. I mean, can you think of a time where you were with a group of people, you shared an idea, a painting, a music or whatever, uh, and you're sharing together and how much that brought you together and how much joy that brings, how much happiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now uh, you're probably going to talk about this too, but the next paragraph we talked about earlier about what you probably will um, hit on is the sexual Mm -hmm. act the enjoyment. This is so good about the partners. So this is going to uh, something that I think is probably a lot less talked about because of how patriarchal our society tends to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to read this because it's easier for him, his words than mine. I think he says, while nature has devised as it were the prototype or perhaps the symbol of shared enjoyment in the sexual act, Empirically, the sexual act is not necessarily an enjoyment that is shared. It can be. These are my words. It can be, but it's not necessarily. He says, the partners are frequently so narcissistic, self-involved and possessive that one can speak only of simultaneous but not shared pleasure. Okay. I love that. And I underlined it because I think that is a powerful sentence saying, that one can speak only of simultaneous, but not of shared pleasure. That's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, it's, it is. Common. I think that's common. I think it's pretty common. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I think it really is. And 
he says this, uh, I think, I don't know where he'd say, oh, he does say this in the section about joy and pleasure. He says, joy in sex is experienced only when physical intimacy is at the same time the intimacy of loving. loving yeah. I think that goes hand in hand. Like you can't really have shared pleasure if you're not really, you know, sure. considerate and connecting with the other person, you right. know? So, yeah, I think it's a picture of kind of, um, you know, what's really going on in our society and how un really not unconnected, but disconnected we we really are. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I apologize for jumping in. It's just that we talked about it earlier and now yeah. I remembered and I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Lacey's going to talk about that. And I right. love both things that he yeah. says there. It's, it's so true. So very true. Yeah, no worries. You know, I think I would say like, you know, the section where he says nothing unites people more than their shared admiration or love for a person or an idea. I would mm -hmm. say I certainly experienced that on the campaign trail um, with Andrew Yang's campaign and all the folks on his um, on his staff. You know, what's amazing about that was none of those people. I don't I don't know any of the people that I worked with. That mm -hmm. were doing that because of like they wanted a job in politics or they wanted a cool name. Right, of right, right. Everybody was like, damn, we got to get this guy out here. You know, like he's awesome. His ideas are what we need. And so the the solidarity around that was an amazing experience. And it really was a shared joy. experience. Exactly. It was a shared <laughs> experience. And it was so happy and fulfilling because we were all on the same page and we're all doing right. it. Together. Yeah, the similar goals. You weren't going against one another and you were as you're a team. Mm -hmm. And then so I, cool. I would just say that like, you know, I think I want to ponder more on this. I do not need to own something in order to enjoy it or even in order to use it. Like I want to see that become, see more ways that that can become a part of my life and everyday life you know, right. Um, in, in little ways. And I can't think of a, a really great example of that right now, but I think it's something that, you know, I think we'll, with time and meditation, you know, it's something we can all see more and more in our lives. Sure, sure. Enjoy. You know? I could bring it around to my part of, of dying, the death part. You know, I mm -hmm. think it's, we live in a world that does sort of tell us we want to own things. Right. But when you think, of us departing this world, we're not taking anything that we own with us. Mm -hmm. Nothing will go with us. No. And when you put it in that perspective, I think, well, it's our experiences. It's our memories. It's the people we've, you know, touched or the, you know, the ex relationships we've had. Mm -hmm. And for me, that makes one realize you have to try really hard to do the being mode. The having is not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And the effort towards that is always worth it because um, you're going to get a, but a much better quality of life out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So uh, yeah, that is, <laughs> that's our episode 10 today. And man, I super just enjoy doing this with you. So it's so much fun. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we may do another episode on this section. We haven't, or on this chapter, we haven't decided just yet, but, um, good stuff. We hope you enjoyed, uh, this episode, Sonia. Um, oh, we have to share oh. our, yeah, our, we have to share your story about voting. And then also we have to share our quotes from, uh, from about yeah, democracy. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I have to tell you that, uh, you know, for anybody listening, I know there's a lot of thoughts out there about the voting. There's the absentee ballot. Um, there's the stand in line. There's early voting. And however you can vote, go do it. So I actually requested an absentee ballot. But I started getting a little nervous, like, hmm, is this going to be counted? <laughs> now, I know there's different schools of thought out there. So I decided I'm going to stand in line and vote. I prefer to vote early. But since I'm on the road, if I get back in time, it will be early. If not, November 3rd, if I have to stand in line 10, 12 hours, I'm voting. Wow. So want to let everybody know that I will vote and I, no matter who you are voting for, please vote, please vote. Agreed. Um, and I'd like to read a quote from, from, mm -hmm. here we go. Cool. To achieve a society based on being, 
all people must actively participate in their economic function and as citizens. Hence, our liberation from the having mode of existence is possible only through the full realization of industrial and political participatory democracy. So I love it and I believe I can say that Frome is a big advocate of us participating in this voting. Yes, agreed. It sounds like Frome says vote. I have a little uh, one that I think is a quote of his that I think is applicable as well. He says, democracy is only possible in an economic system that works for the vast majority of the population. And in order for it to work for the vast majority of the population, step one is for us to make our voices heard. And so um, go vote, everybody. Please uh, do that. And um, thank you for listening. It means a lot to us. We appreciate it. We're enjoying it. We hope you are too. We love to hear your feedback, so don't don't hesitate to send it to us. And uh, we hope you have a great uh, a great day. Yeah, thanks everybody. And I don't know where I'll be on my next uh, the next podcast, but yes. I'll be on here. Okay. Well, be careful on your way back. We, we're excited to have you back, but uh, who knows if we'll do another episode before you get back. But regardless. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I send my love and, and want you to be safe and enjoy yourself. So Thank you. Yay. All right. Bye guys. Bye, guys. Next time. To the extent that we live in the having mode, we must fear dying. No rational explanation will take away this fear, but it may be diminished even at the hour of death by a reassertion of our bond to life, by a response to the love of others that may kindle our own love. Losing our fear of dying should not begin as a preparation for death, but as the continuous effort to reduce the mode of having and to increase the mode of being. As Spinoza says, the wise think about life, not about death. The instruction on how to die is indeed the same as the instruction on how to live. The more we rid ourselves of the craving for possession in all its forms, particularly our ego-boundness, the less strong is the fear of dying, since there is nothing to lose.